Hey everybody and welcome to Dan and Jimbo's Wrestling Variety Show. I believe this is episode 4 of this podcast. Um, mm-hmm. It's finally not a week where we have a pay-per-view this Sunday. So mm-hmm. Instead, we're going to be looking at each of our top 5 favorite wrestling matches of all time. Yep. Um, so, it's going to be basically the same format as our wrestlers list. Um, I'm going to do one, then my dad's going to do one. And then, you know, go back, go and, back forth. and forth from the bottom to the top, kind of. Yeah. Um, last time I went, or last time my dad went first, mm-hmm. so this time I'm going to go first. Yep. Um, and my fifth favorite wrestling match of all time um, is going to be Andrade Cien Almas mm-hmm. versus Johnny Gargano mm-hmm. at NXT TakeOver Philadelphia in 2018. Okay. Um, now, I watched this pay-per-view alone because my dad um, had to work or something. I don't really remember. But mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, he's just going to miss this. It doesn't look like a great takeover. And it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was actually kind of kind of a lame takeover. But the main event, Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Almas, was like still to this day like... I still enjoy watching it. I've watched it a couple times since. Now, there's a wrestler in WWE right now named Andrade. Are they related? Was this a guy that... No, it's his cousin. It's his cousin? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. It's his, for some reason, <laughs> less talented cousin. Um, oh, it's not one of those things where they just cut half of his name off, you know, as soon as he gets a recognition, right? No. Oh, okay, okay. Alexander Rusev and Rusev aren't the same person. I didn't think so. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Biggie Langston retired to run an orphanage in... Langston? Yeah. Langston? Yeah, that's his... I thought that was a type of lobster or something. No, that was Biggie's last name before he was... Well, no, no. Biggie Langston retired to run an orphanage in Minneapolis. Mm. And his brother, Biggie, stepped in gotcha. to gotcha. take his place. Um, All right. Well... In real actual life, Andrade Cien almost really just got his name cut in half and went up to the main roster and has been treated terribly since he came. I mean, not as terribly as a lot of other people they've called up that they've misused, but probably not as good as they could. As two other guys. I think they're going to push him harder because he's with with Charlotte Flair. Yeah. But anyway... Yeah. Go on about this match, though. I want to hear about this match. So going into this match, I was like, you know, obviously Gargano is going to be the more talented of the two. But actually, I think this match is made better by Almas. Mm-hmm. I think Almas might be the more... I think Almas is more talented than Gargano. Just because, you know, I don't think Gargano would be in the place where he's at today that so many people revere him, if not for this match. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's about 65% the doing of Andrade. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people criticize NXT TakeOver main events now because they're almost too crazy. There's right. like, you know, you DDT someone on concrete, hit them in the head with a steel chair, and they still kick out a couple more times. Right. I, you know, that was obviously inspired by this match. Like, Mm. there's so much, there's so many kickouts in this match. You know, 
they hit finisher after finisher and it's kicked out of. And usually that annoys me a little bit. But in this match, it's almost like necessary. Like Johnny Gargano is pushing himself harder because the NXT Championship means so much to him. And Andrade is pushing himself so much harder because people were calling him like a paper champion and whatnot. Mm. So I think it's almost warranted in this match. Right. You know, like grudge matches, I can sort of see those things happening. Like, you're pushing yourself a little farther because you really care about the outcome of the match. Right. Um, and uh, I don't know if I can really specifically remember any spots. What I remember about early on in this match, it was a bit boring, actually. You know? Right. That's the only reason it's not higher. Um, yeah, the, the beginning spots of this match was like rest holds, submission moves, um, which is something I'm not real into. And I was like, okay, this is going to be a slow-paced main event, which d- doesn't always mean it's bad. It's just going to be slower-paced, which is in my style of wrestling. Um, I like I like storytelling wrestling, and there was definitely a story Mm. In this match um, of of Johnny Gargano, he was just he was trying super hard in this match, and right. both of these men you could tell cared about this match, right. which is something I really like in a wrestling match. Like you can tell both guys care right. about what they're doing. Excuse me, you're telling an awesome story about this. I'm sorry, I'm yawning. I just was up too late last night. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to let you know that. Yeah, You're telling um, a really good story about this match. I'm tired, too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this match... Uh, have you seen it? I don't think I ever have, no. Which is why I'm interested. Maybe I should go back and watch it. Because if it was that good, you know... And I think in this entire show with me and Dan, you're going to get a real long scope of matches. Because, like, he's starting out with a match from 2018. Literally the newest match on my list is eight years ago so and it's the only one that is that new they're all i'm pretty sure the rest of them are all from the 80s to be fair <laughs> that is the newest match on my list this is the oh, newest okay. match on my list but still i mean i think you're gonna have mostly from yeah. i don't know 2000 and up i would imagine at least at the very oh, yeah, least yeah, yeah. yeah um you know i'm pretty sh- actually i'm looking at it every single one of my matches except one is from the 80s Oh. So. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I really like this match. I think everyone should check it out. Um, I think it's the best match Johnny Gargano's ever been involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that'll probably... I'm really shocked I have no matches from the 90s in here. I'm, I don't know why that happened, but it did. Yeah. But anyway. Um, all right. So what's your number? My number five. And I'm a little leery saying this one, and, and I'll explain why after I say the match. After I say the match. And you'll probably know instantly why... I'm a little leery of putting it out there. My number five match is the Roddy Piper-Greg Valentine dog collar match. Now, mm-hmm. I know everyone's going to say instantly, that's because you, we just watched the uh, the Cody Rhodes-Brody Lee dog collar match. Yeah. Yes, it is a little bit because yeah. of that, because it reminded me of that. But it reminded me how awesome of a match that was. Mm-hmm. Now, this is probably the only match, I believe, on my list that I didn't see either live or super close to when it happened. I saw it a few years after it happened on tape. I bought, I rented, I think I went to the video store. Now, for, for those listeners who are closer to Daniel's age, the video store was a place you went and, and rented these box 
type things that had actual tape inside them and you put it in a machine and you watched it. So there's a little history lesson for you kids. Why couldn't you just go on Netflix and watch it? Well, there wasn't anything called a Netflix back then. But yeah, and it was, um, I believe it was from, it was from an NWA, not, you wouldn't even call it a pay-per-view, just an event. It was either Starcade or Great American Bash or some one of those type of events where they did it, I believe. Was it in 1983? 83, yeah. That might have been a pay-per-view. I think they started doing pay... I think Starcade 1983 was the first wrestling pay-per-view. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I'd have to look that up. But anyway, I found it on tape. I watched it. And yeah, it was like super memorable. And I've always thought about that match throughout my whole life. Like how amazing that match was. I mean, Piper and Valentine for their time. I mean, Piper's legendary, obviously. I mean, he, he's probably one of the greatest heels of all time. Um, Valentine, one of the greatest, sing, you know, a good singles wrestler and one of the greatest tag team wrestlers, wound up being one of the greatest tag team wrestlers of all time. Um, Valentine, if you didn't watch AEW this past week, was actually there for Cody and, and Brody Lee's match. Um, Go dog collar match. Go watch our AEW podcast, by the way. Yeah, or listen to it. You can't watch it. Or yeah, shame, <laughs> yeah shameless plug. Yeah, All yeah. Right. Listen to our AEW podcast and listen to our review of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was really an amazing match. It was super innovative. I mean, it was bloody. Um, it was bloody without just being for the sake of bloody. It was bloody because it was just bloody. It was it was crazy. It was it was just amazing. And those guys. Pulled it off really well. Um, they just did a really amazing job of it. And it was just something I will never forget watching. And that's why it's on my top five. Because like, like just sitting here thinking about it, I can play through the match in my head. Yeah. So if a match does that to you, it's probably something special. Especially a match that you watched 30 years ago. You know? Maybe more than that. So, yeah. So that's my number five. Just as a side note, recently I was watching a match with Sergeant Slaughter and mm-hmm. I think Pat Patterson, mm-hmm. and it was like a boot camp match boot camp. or something. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was like super bloody. Like, mm. yeah, the eighties and even part of the seventies, they were really into the bloody. It depended on what territory you were talking about. I think you this know. was a. Uh... I think this was a WWF match. It was probably WWF. Yeah, I think those two. Well, Sergeant Slaughter in the eighties, if I remember correctly, at least the first, at the very least, the first half of the eighties or the first three quarters of the eighties. Trying to remember, no, first half of the eighties. I think he came over to WWF around eighty five, eighty six. He was in the AWA mostly. Mm-hmm. He started out. I don't know if he started out in the AWA, but. My first recollection, the first time I ever saw Sergeant Slaughter, he was in the AWA in the early 80s. When I started watching wrestling, he was in AWA. Um, so I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know if Pat Patterson was always in WWF, WWE or not. I don't really know. I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure he was always in WWF, WWE. I don't think he ever went to another promotion, but I, I could be wrong about that. But anyway, yeah, no, they really liked their bloody matches. I mean, if you, depending on where in the world or where in the country you went, they were either more or less like that. I mean, you can pull up matches with Abdul the Butcher and Carlos Colon from like uh, from Puerto Rico, 
that are disgusting. Yeah. And that he, are just like they have like <laughs> they still have like marks on their head. Oh yeah, yeah. Abdul the butcher just passed away recently, I believe, and he like yeah he had just cuts all over his head for the rest of his life. I mean, he it was crazy. And um, Bruiser Brody, um, who who was killed outside of a wrestling match. That was on the dark side of the ring. That was one of their yeah. big episodes. He was like that. He had cuts all over his forehead. Him and Abdul the Butcher actually also had a lot of big matches together. He would bleed a lot. I mean, even like even like stuff that was more mainstream, like NWA and WCW. I mean, they had they had a fair amount of bl- bloody matches. It was just a more of a thing back then. You know, that's what the people that's what the people came to see. You know. Yeah. Um, also, I. I remember a couple years ago, you had like a tape of old wrestling and a Bruiser Brody Abdullah the Butcher match was mm-hmm. on there. And like, mom walked in on me watching it. She was like, why are you watching this? <laughs> and I was like, it's wrestling. Yeah, I think that was in, see that back, that was back in the day when there were territories. And I think that was WCCW, which was Texas wrestling. That's where the Von Erics got big. Um, and... Those guys would travel from territory to territory. They would stay in a territory for like, let's say, a year. Sometimes it was six months. Sometimes it was more than a year. But in general, let's say it was a year. And they would run what's called a program, which would they would go, they would come into a territory, like let's say Texas, and they would work with all the guys that everyone wanted to see them work with. Like everyone know, knew who Bruiser, Bruiser Brody was before he got there because he was internationally famous, right? So he would go into Texas. And everyone's like, ooh, Bruiser Brody's coming here. He's famous. He's like a big bad guy, right? So everyone would want to see him wrestle each one of the Von Erics and wrestle Chris Adams and wrestle like all these all of their territory's biggest names. Yeah. So he would do that for say a year and then leave and yeah. go to a different territory. He might go to WWF, he might go to AWA, he might go to NWA, WCW. That's how they made their living. They went to different territories, ran what they would call a program, which would face all their biggest heels or faces, whichever they were not. Yeah. And then move on. You know? Um, I heard when he died, Bruiser Brody, he was supposed to go to WWE and win the title from Hulk Hogan. Yeah, that was that was in talks. Yeah, there were, there were talks of that because he was such a famous heel that they thought that would be big if he took the title from Hogan. Hogan would have probably won it back within months. Yeah. But, yeah, they thought if he came in as a crazy maniac who just ran roughshod over Hogan, um, that would be a big, a good storyline. Um, they talked about Vader being like that for a while, mm-hmm. but they didn't wind up doing it. They thought, they, I think they talked about, um, who's the other person they were talking about doing that with? It was another big heel that they were talking about. I don't know. I don't remember now. I remember Vader was supposed to win the title, but then Big Blubber and Baby Shawn Michaels didn't like him. So Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, All right. So what's your number four? Ironically, talking about Shawn Michaels, <laughs> uh, it's Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker mm-hmm. at WrestleMania 26. Now that is a lot of... Um, like when I told you, I went up and looked at a lot of uh, you know top ten, top twenty matches of all time. You know, just general websites saying you know what are the best matches of all time. That is a lot of a lot of them's top the, one, two, or three. The twenty six match, I believe so. A lot of people love the twenty five match. Oh, because of the like the actual match, which mm-hmm. I will concede is better. Mm-hmm. 
But the story for this match is a whole lot better. Okay. That match was just like, hey, Shawn Michaels, you want to fight at WrestleMania? Yeah, Undertaker, cool. And then they fought at WrestleMania. It was good, but the story for like this match was incredible. Mm-hmm. It like it started in December mm-hmm. and went and ran all the way through April. Mm-hmm. That's a four month build to this one match. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was like at that year's Slammy Awards, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania. 25 received match of the year mm-hmm. and Shawn Michaels challenged Undertaker to do it again mm-hmm. and the Undertaker was world heavyweight champion at the time so he was like no I'm too busy being world heavyweight champion and so Shawn Michaels went in the Royal Rumble he tried to win that which didn't work so he started like going crazy he kicked a couple refs on his way out of the ring um, he broke up his relationship with Triple H, um, and he tried to get in the Elimination Chamber, which was for the title, and they wouldn't let him in. Um, so he ended up going into the chamber and costing Undertaker the title. And the most, you know, cool part about this was he gave it to Chris Jericho, mm-hmm. who he had been feuding with. For most of the last year. Because he was so adamant on fighting The Undertaker that he, that he, like, he gave the title to one of his worst enemies. Right. So I think that's, that's just a really clever thing. And it's one of the very few clever bookings that Vince McMahon's ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, And then... He challenged Undertaker again, but Undertaker was like, only if your career's on the line. And so it went up to that match. I think this match is worth watching. There's a... I think you can still watch it online. There's a video package of for this match with... I think it was called... A, a song that was called Running Up That Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really good. Um, the There was like a pre-match video package but it wasn't as good mm-hmm. um, and the match itself is also it's decent like it's but the main reason is like the atmosphere around this match like everyone like knew something special was going to happen mm-hmm. in this match either Undertaker's streak was getting broken and uh, this was during the phase of Undertaker was having incredible streak matches. Mm-hmm. I have another one of them on this list, but mm-hmm. um, he just had this run of incredible streak matches that he was on. Shawn Michaels' career was on the line, so like everyone just knew there was gonna be like something good that happened, and or some something special that would happen in this match, right? Um, and it was just a very clean match. It wasn't too long, mm-hmm. which is what I think the other match suffers for. It's mm-hmm. a little too long. Right. And Taker matches shouldn't be too long. I mean, even, you know, I mean, obviously earlier in his career, he could pull off a little bit longer of a match. But still, he's a big guy. He gets, he, even though he's athletic for a big guy or was in his heyday. You know, he's still, like, he got winded. You could tell, even back in the heyday, he got winded 
you know, earlier than an, a super athletic guy would have. Yeah. So, you know, I've seen him. I don't think he should ever be in a match more than 30 minutes. And I understand. And even Shawn, that's stretching it. Yeah, Shawn Michaels is a marathon wrestler. Yeah. That's what he lives for. But, but you got to play to the other guy's weakness is what you have to do. Cause, or yeah. else you're going to have a, a, a less impressive match, a less impressive looking match. Yeah, I don't want... I don't want a match of Shawn Michaels carrying around Undertaker's corpse for 20 minutes. Exactly, yeah. I want a Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match, mm-hmm. which is what you got here. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, and Shawn Michaels' 2002-2010 run was the best Shawn Michaels. I don't mm-hmm. think the 1990s Shawn Michaels was as good. Mm-hmm. Maybe he won all his titles in that time. Um, I don't think he... I think he only won one title during his tenure. Oh, I guess he won the tag titles. He only won one singles title in that time. Mm -hmm. But it was still his best wrestling, though. Right. He he didn't match that level of action in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, you get... You go... Going into this match, Shawn Michaels was the desperate one. He was the desperate guy who was desperate to win the match. Mm. But towards the end, The Undertaker starts getting desperate, which I think is the best part. Right. Because he doesn't want to lose a streak. Yeah. Right. So both guys are just desperate, and they're just hitting each other with everything they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then Undertaker wins, and then there's a big emotional thing with Michaels. Yeah, so that's my number four. Uh, cool. Cool. Uh, my number four um, is the only tag team match on my uh, top five. Um, it was from 1989, um, and it was the Road Warriors versus the Steiner Brothers. Uh, this happened at Starcade 89. Um, I remember this match a lot because... Probably, I would say, from 86 to 90 was kind of the tag team dominance of that of the era that I watched wrestling the most. Yeah. Um, you had, yeah, I mean, I can name off tag teams. You had, you know, Rock and Roll Express. You had the Steiner Brothers. You had, obviously, the Road Warriors. You had the Midnight Express. You had the Koloffs. You had like I mean, and then you can go, and I'm 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 staying outside even WWF. You know, yeah. You can go. Uh, you can go the Rockers. You can go uh, the Powers of Pain. You can. Go, I mean, I can keep on going. I mean, that was like a huge time for tag team wrestling. Would you count Demolition in that? Demolition. I mean, yeah, they started in the '80s, so yeah. A lot of people don't like Demolition. Which is the only Demolition got a bad rap because they were kind of they were kind of you know blindsided with the you know there were Road Warriors ripoffs, and so were Powers of Pain, but they were actually both really good tag teams. Like I feel bad that they got that you know thing put mm-hmm. on them. And actually, when the Road Warriors came to WWF and faced Demolition, they had some really good matches. So you know, I, I don't think that was fair. You know. The Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, were called Rock and Roll Express ripoffs. You know, you're always going to be said you're, you're not always, but you know, sometimes if you have a look, you're going to be said that look was kind of done before. You know, so be a good tag team, and then no one will care. Yeah, just you like know? everyone accuses like Dolph Ziggler of being a Shawn Michaels ripoff. Right, right. You know, and he's not. I mean, yeah, 
may he have borrowed some you know borrowed some things yeah. from Shawn Michaels as an homage maybe yeah yeah he'll tell you I'm that sure. like Shawn Michaels was an inspiration yeah but yeah he's not a rip off but anyway they had uh, the Steiner brothers and the road warriors you know they had a feud um, they were kind of both like we're the bait we're the greatest tag team in WCW mm-hmm. um, they had a tournament within it was an 18 eight team tournament within Starcade that year to crown the best team. It wasn't for the title. I remember who had the title at the time, honestly. But um, I think it was... I'm not going to remember all the teams. I'm pretty sure, besides these two teams, I think Harlem Heat was in it. I think Tully and Orn were in it from the uh, from the Four Horsemen. I don't know. I don't remember the other teams. But anyway, it came down to the Road Warriors and the Steiner Brothers. And it was like a tag team clinic. It was like just the most amazing tag team action I've ever seen in my life. Like just, and it was such a good combination. Like you think a tag team match, especially nowadays, is just like high flying action, double team moves, like in and out of the ring. This wasn't necessarily that because they're both brutal tag teams. They were both like powerhouses. But so you had tag team brutality. Yeah. going on in this match and it was really impressive if I could ever get you to go watch a tag team match that will probably be like no other tag team match you've seen in your life this would be the one it was like just wow the power displayed the and like I don't want to even say it's just a power match like there was fluidity there was like these two teams knew each other mm-hmm. they knew their teammate and they knew the other team so well that it was just like watching art it was like watching just like the most amazing dance performance you ever saw in your life like just it was it just flowed so perfectly you know but at the same time it was just brutal you know that's the best way i can explain it and to me and i can be given examples and proven wrong maybe but to me in my mind Again, if I can remember it some 30 years later, it must mean something. And I remember the match. I can visualize it. I can remember moves that happened in it. And again, to me, the Road Warriors were the greatest tag team ever. Like, there was yeah. no one that was better than them. So that's why, to me, this was the this made my top five. Because I love tag team wrestling. And to me, this was the greatest... The combination of I love tag team wrestling, the Road Warriors are the greatest tag team ever, and this was probably the greatest tag team match of all time. That's why I made my top five, because it's like, how does it not, you know? Um, So, there. I actually feel kind of bad, because I don't have any tag team matches on my list. I don't have any women's matches on my list. Yeah, I don't either. It sucks. It does. There there were a couple of those that made my top ten, and we'll talk about that just right before Mm. the number one entry my number three mm-hmm. is from nxt takeover dallas okay yeah you notice in this five part list there's already two nxt matches mm-hmm. that's how there's probably more in my top 10 mm-hmm. um it's sammy Zayn versus shinsuke nakamura okay from takeover dallas i think i watched that with you and that was a good match yeah, yeah. it like it almost annoys me that this is such a good match because mm-hmm. I hear people, you know, this, the build to it was, 
like nothing. Like, oh, Sami Zayn's leaving NXT, so and Shinsuke Nakamura's coming in NXT, so they're gonna fight. Mm-hmm. We don't know why, but they're gonna fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did, and it was really good, which is almost kind of annoying because <laughs> you know you don't need any build to this match, but. That almost sort of shows how good it is. Like, you didn't need any build for it to be good. Mm. They're just two really good wrestlers. Yeah. Like, yeah. I know you're not a big fan of Sami Zayn. Um, I think his NXT work was 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 excellent. Yeah. Um, I loved him in NXT, actually. I, I have no problem with his NXT work. And I think that he's been held back in WWE main, you know, main roster. Um... I, yeah, don't. I'm not crazy about the direction they've gone with him since he's been on the main roster. Mm. So no, I have nothing against him really. I just yeah. I, if anything, I just I don't think they've really used him well. Like so many NXT wrestlers they brought up, I don't think they've used him really well. I, know, I mean I know he's Intercontinental Champion now, and that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. So maybe they finally got him, you know, on the right track. But you but, know, up until now, more or less, I don't think they've used him great. But. Like, it would yeah. be so easy to use him good. And everyone's like, if you want Sami Zayn to be good, you have to turn him face. I don't think that's true at all. No. I think he could be a very good, effective heel if he just stopped being goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Watching this match almost makes me kind of sad that these two guys worse are so crap on the main roster. Nakamura is might be the biggest travesty of all. Yeah. Like, I don't get what they're doing with him. And it's the end of his career, so, like, like push him to the moon and then let him go. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why he wasn't in a world title picture right away. I don't understand how he's never won a world title. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got the charisma. Like, he, well, he doesn't anymore because you, you stripped him of it. Yeah, you've nerfed him so... You can't bring him back to that... That Poppy had when he first came to the main roster, and he still had that you know that music, and everyone loved it, and the whole thing, and the whole entrance, and the whole like you lost that pop now. It's like, what yeah. do you do with him? It's I like know. almost like they need to let him ride off into the sunset and and say, shit, we fucked this up, and don't do that again to anyone else ever. I mean, if you gave me like an like an hour, I could probably book my way out of it. But Maybe. I mean, if there's a way to book him out of that, do it. Because he deserves it. He's a legendary yeah. Japanese wrestler who came here probably to get a final big payday and to get, you know, some more international recognition. And he deserves it. He's amazing. And he needs to yeah. he needs to go out on a high note. And I don't get and it. It pisses he, me off. He came right into WWE and had one of the best matches of all time, mm-hmm. and they were just like, all right, there you go. <laughs> go punch people in the balls. Yeah, I don't get it. That's a trap. Like, I'm actually a little surprised how mad I am at this. Like, I never really yeah. like dove into my feelings like, on this. But, like, he was so exciting in NXT, and he was so exciting when he first came up. Like, how do you just let that die? Like, it's so wasteful. I don't mean to rag on the guy. You know what it is? It's Dolph Ziggler. Why is it Dolph Ziggler? I'm, I'm kidding because, obviously, it's Vince McMahon. But think about it. Dolph Ziggler had Nakamura's first match. He had Bobby Roode's first match. Where are they both now? 
Did he have a, he had Nakamura's first match? I don't remember that. Yeah, it was a backlash. Uh-huh. Um, that year, but it's a, it's the Dolph Ziggler syndrome. Uh, you won't even get this reference, but uh, Ziggler's the uh, Ted McGinnis of the WWE. Ted McGinnis is an actor from mostly like the eighties and nineties, who every time he went on a show, mm-hmm. you knew the show was done. Like they were reaching for it. <laughs> he went on Married with Children. And then the show was done. He went on a couple different shows, and they were like, oh. He was like, oh, it's the last straw, because he was like this... He was like a comedic actor, but he was also like a big, handsome guy. So, like, yeah, he was a comedic actor, kind of, but he was also like, let's see if we can keep some ladies interested in this show. Yeah. And it was like a desperate last try to keep the show relevant. <laughs> it's the, yeah, it's the Dolph Ziggler syndrome. It, Dolph Ziggler, yeah. Um, he, was, he was the original Dolph Ziggler, but anyway... Yeah, obviously it's not all safe. But right. So I'm sorry, uh, uh, Sami Zayn, and you want to get a little deeper into that yeah. match? Just the, the best part of this match is the part where they're just clobbering each other in the face. Mm-hmm. And the fight forever chant is going. And it's just, it's so, and I hate to use this word, it's so epic. Mm-hmm. Like, you can feel the intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, they're the two most underrated wrestlers on the roster. Right if now. you and I could ever make the time to do this, and we would probably need, like, minimum of two hours, maybe three, we should sit down and watch e- each one of these matches. That would be great. Yeah. But I don't know if we'll ever have the time that to do would, that, but... Yeah, Or maybe do it a little bit at a time, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Unless but they anyway. go away for a weekend, I don't... <laughs> I don't know. Well, we could watch it, like, on a computer together in a different room. I don't know. But anyway. Um, all right. So that's my number three. Okay. My number three is... Uh, and I think this is the newest match I have on my thing. I think it took place eight years ago, I want to say. What you year? can correct me. I don't remember, but it was at WrestleMania 28. Was Triple like... H versus Undertaker. Hell in a Cell. Oh, son of a bitch. Is that on yours? That's my next one. Oh, no. <laughs> we have the um... same number three? No, that's my number two. Oh, is your number two? Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, we can just both talk about it now. Yeah, we'll just both talk about it. And then, I don't know, I guess I would have to go again? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, alright, I mean, since I said it first, I'll start. I mean, I just... That was probably the first year I came back into wrestling and we started watching stuff together. Because that was 2000... 2012. 12, Yeah. I mean, we didn't just come back into we we started wrestling, watching wrestling together more often, probably around 2010, right? Mm-hmm. 2010, 2011, I think. We started when we moved down to South Carolina. We were yeah. going to matches more, and I tried to get us to go to see Raw and SmackDown, and even yeah. local shows like every once in a while. So yeah, so this was you know a year or two into our new, you know, uh, into our renewed my renewed passion. Of wrestling and the kids, you know, foray into new wrestling, although they were already actually into watching old wrestling and playing old wrestling video games. <laughs> oh yeah, Legends of Wrestling mm-hmm. on the GameCube. That's what got my kids into wrestling. They were playing around on the Wii one day, mm-hmm. and I I picked up a game for like two dollars at the corner store. Called Legends of Wrestling. I'm like, oh, look at this. It's got all my old wrestling, my old wrestlers on it. 
It had like you know, obviously like Hogan. What did it have? Hogan, Hogan Iron Sheik, Iron Sheik, Bret Hart. Yeah. Um, didn't that flair on it? No. No. Um, that the second one had Andre. Yeah, but it had WCW guys too on it. It had Ivan Koloff. Ivan Koloff. And the only reason I remember that it was because you were I scared was of his music, terrified of his music. <laughs> um, yeah, that that. Well, Ivan Koloff was in WWE too, so yeah. Oh. Um, but anyway, yeah. So yeah. they were playing this old video video game of old wrestlers, and that got them interested. And then I guess they just started gradually looking at what wrestling was today, and yeah. they started getting into newer wrestling. So yeah, this was in the beginning stages of our renewed wrestling interest, and uh, yeah, I mean Triple. The fact of the matter of this uh, match was. I mean, it just had all the right elements. I love Triple H. I love Undertaker. Hell in a Cell. WrestleMania. All the pomp and circumstance was perfect for me because I love Triple H's entrance. I love Undertaker's entrance. Yeah. The match itself was decent. A lot of a lot of highlights in it. A lot of big moves. You know, was it a great wrestling match? No. No. Yeah. But it was, it was just a lot of oohs and ahs and. Just the perfect combination of that for me. And a lot of people accuse it of being a bad Hell in a Cell match because there's not a lot of like cell-based right. offense. But there's still like a lot of hardcore. There's still a little bit of hardcore in it. Like, mm-hmm. And there's Michaels, a special guest referee. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that Michaels was involved, overacting himself. <laughs> yeah. Into his prolapse. Um, what do you have to add to the conversation with this? I. There's one specific moment in this match that I really love. Uh, I think Michael's, like, sweet chin music's The Undertaker, and then Triple H pedigrees him. And it's, like, the closest kickout I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... The Undertaker's timing has always been perfect, mm-hmm. is something I've noticed as I've gone back. I've sort of gone back and watched his catalog ever since he announced his retirement. Mm-hmm. But something I've noticed is his timing is just, like, perfect. Right. Bang on. But, yeah, this this is the most clear instance of it. Right. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot more to add. Yeah, I mean, again, I I kind of struggled to, to put this on here. I didn't struggle so much because, like I said, it really had the perfect mix of two of the greatest... In my opinion, entrances, and I know you say that, and you're like, that shouldn't have as much to do with a wrestling match, and but it does. It just does. I mean, it just adds to your it adds yeah. to the fun. It adds to the excitement, you know. And that's just what modern wrestling is. And you have to either if you love it or you don't. I love it. Yeah. I love when there is that added to it. It can be done too much, and it can also be done too little. Yeah, you know, I think that's that's the formula you gotta figure out. I think you got, and I think I think Triple H's is perfect. I think he he's overdone it a few times in his career. Yeah. That WrestleMania when he came in on the chariot or whatever that was, or whatever that was, when I he had the crown on. The, oh, WrestleMania 30. Maybe that was it. The year when he came in as Terminator was too much. That was too He's done it like two or three times minimum. He's done it too much. But generally over his career, his more or less normal entrance is perfect to me. 
Um, Undertaker has overdone it more times than that. But still, in general, considering the amount of times he's done it, it's usually perfect. So those two guys doing it perfectly on top of the Hell in a Cell added to it, on top of the, the streak, on top of Shawn Michaels being added as a special guest referee, on top of it being just like a good beatdown between the two of them, added it added up together to me to be like just an amazingly memorable match. You can say there wasn't a lot of great wrestling in it, and you'd be right. But to me, it was amazingly super memorable. Yeah. Um, so I guess on to your number two now. Okay, yeah. My number two is an old match. Um, I mean, it's a little older than my other matches. Um, my number two is Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes at the Great American Bash 86 in a cage. Now, looking online, doing a little research on this, and I thought this would be the case. I didn't remember when they did this, but most people actually on their quote-unquote all-time list put their match they had at some other event as a better match because I think it went longer. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of people put that match ahead of this match. But this match was memorable to me, and it's maybe, again, for non-wrestling reasons. But I rem- this match sticks out in my head because, A, those two, if we, and I don't want to spoil anything, but I think I've said this before. If we ever do a, like, top feuds of all time, these two might be towards the top, if not the top for me. Because growing up, watching these two feud was one of the coolest feuds I ever saw in my life. So, and this match, particularly, you really saw them put it all out there. Like, you saw there was great wrestling. They're both great wrestlers. They're both great wrestlers. Mm -hmm. Flair is better at pure wrestling, but Dusty Rhodes is really good, too. And it was in a cage, so there was tons of blood. They railed each other against the cage a bunch, and so, and Flair's got that that white blonde hair. No one bled that crimson blood into their hair better than Flair. You never saw the color of blood better in someone's hair than Ric Flair. <laughs> it made it pop, and I know that sounds sick, but it's true. It made it pop so much that you're like, oh my god, you know. Dusty Rhodes kind of similar. He didn't have that kind of blonde hair, but he had blondish hair. And, you know, still, yeah, it stood out. And it was just an amazing match to watch. I remember that event being really good from top to bottom, too. So the whole event stood, stood out to me on top of the fact that that match was just amazing. It just was like back and forth, Flair being the perfect heel, title on the line. I know this sounds terrible, but I'm not even 100% sure of this, but I'm pretty sure Dusty won the title then. But that's bad that I don't remember that part of it. <laughs> but the title almost meant nothing to me. Yeah, one of the weird... They passed the title back and forth a few times, Dusty and Flair, so I don't remember who won the title even. Mm. But One of the or, weirdest things about my list is there's only one title match on there. Yeah, that happens a lot, I think. I mean, on mine... Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, that's the only title match on mine. Mm. Wait, no. 
I'm sorry, no. That's the only world title match on mine. How about that? Was the tag match a tag title match? Nope. Oh. My number one was a title match, not a world title match. Um, yeah, I mean, that's... I've never watched this match, but... If you I can, will. check it out, or we'll check it out together. We'll see. Yeah. Um, Amazing yeah. match. So before we get to our number ones, mm-hmm. uh, I'll, we should, I think we should do a couple honorable mentions because mm-hmm. I do have a couple of other good matches on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say John Cena versus The Rock from mm-hmm. WrestleMania 28 is on there. That's the first or second one? The first one? First one. First one, okay. The second one was awful. <laughs> um, the first one, it wasn't a, like a great match. Like It was... It's the atmosphere. Right, right. Know. Um, yeah, you know, it's John Cena. Mm-hmm. I like John Cena. Surprisingly, there's no Rey Mysterio matches on here, even though he's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, uh, my surprise non-entrant, and I don't even think I would have him on an honorable mention, is Stone Cold. He was on my top five wrestlers of all mm-hmm. time, but none of his matches made my top five or ten. And I don't know why exactly, Um I think he was just a solid middle of the road wrestler. I think his I think he just his pop was so great. Yeah. And his character was so great that he made my top five wrestlers. Yeah. I don't think any and then none of his matches were exactly terrible. They just I don't think they made it to the next stratosphere to me. Again, it's the atmosphere <coughs> of the wrestler that makes him instead of the like that wrestling. It um, can be, yeah. Also on there, it would have been my most recent match if it was on my top five. Uh, Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan <coughs> from WrestleMania 35. Right. Again, it was mostly the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. They're also both very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say Sasha Banks versus Charlotte versus Becky at WrestleMania 32. That I will add on. That was that would be an honorable mention yeah. for me, too. I thought about that one. Um, Usos versus New Day, all three of them. Um from 2017. Okay. They, they've had other matches later that were... Okay. Mostly the Hell in a Cell match that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, that was very, very good. Um, and they just broke the new day up last night. Yeah. A lot happened. Seth Rollins is on SmackDown now. Yeah. Um, and Lars Sullivan's back. Um, mm-hmm. So, they yeah. broke up Heavy Machinery. Which, you kind of saw that coming. <laughs> I don't care. Um, um, I don't even remember the other member of Heavy Machinery's name. Tucker. Oh. Um, Only because I just read it. I don't know if I would have known that off the cuff. Well. Um, there was another match I was thinking of. Uh, the NXT North American title ladder match from NXT TakeOver New Orleans. That's also very good. Mm-hmm. And it's the best match of that pay-per-view, even though Gargano Champa 1's on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's it for my honorable mention. I only have one extra one, because I only had two, and you said the Sasha Banks, the triple threat match, Sasha, um, not Sasha, uh... Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte. Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte, I'm sorry, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was one of my honorable mentions. My other one was, um, was Brock Lesnar and Undertaker when he broke the streak. Oh. Yeah. Um, again, not the greatest wrestling match of all time. Although not terrible for those two. It wasn't a terrible match. Yeah. 
Um, and it was just like epic. It was just like you A, he broke the streak, no one expected him to. Um, B it was kind of a fun match almost. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I don't know. I just yeah. thought that had an honorable mention to me. Yeah, I I remember being there and I'm just like, there's no way Brock Lesnar's gonna beat the Undertaker. Right, right. And then like anyone who says they saw that coming is a liar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um Maybe maybe the best swerve WWE ever pulled. Whether you agree with it or not is another story. I would disagree with that. Right. A lot of people do. But whether you agree with it or you don't, maybe the best swerve they ever pulled. Oh, with the fact of him breaking the streak? Uh-huh. No, I don't care. I, I, he's a fine person to break the streak, in my opinion. I disagree with it that it's the best swerve that WWE ever pulled. Oh. Remember when Seth Rollins cashed in the money in the bank? Mm-hmm. I think that's the best word WWE ever pulled. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there are arguments for other ones. I mean, but it might—it's probably—it's at least up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's that's definitely one. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Lesnar, mm-hmm. he's in my favorite match of all time. Oh. And it's against CM Punk at SummerSlam 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, this a lot of people forget about this match. Yeah, I did. Because <laughs> I bring this up all the time on like online forums and everyone's like, I forgot that match happened. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh yeah, that match was really good. Right. And a lot of people are surprised when they say it's my favorite. When I say it's my favorite of all time, even from the fact that I'm, I was born so recently, they were like, there are a lot better matches than that. That have been in the last 20 years. The match that gets brought... There are even a lot better CM Punk matches. Like CM Punk versus Cena. Money in the Bank 2011. Which, you know, I also really like. But it wasn't as good a wrestling match as this. Mm-hmm. Um, Brock Lesnar, in my opinion, is underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone just views him as the asshole guy who shows up once a year and defends whatever title he's got now. Um... But he puts on good matches when he cares about who he's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like Finn Balor, he cared about Finn Balor, so he, you know, he put on a good match with him. He cared about AJ Styles, so he put on a good match with him. He cared about CM Punk, so he put on a good match with him. If he doesn't care about that person, he won't try as hard. Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose. Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. Um trying to think about the really bad Brock matches that I can think of. Um, Triple H. All of his matches, Triple H. Except Summer, except the match at SummerSlam. Like, WrestleMania 29 and the match they had at the next pay-per-view, they were both terrible. Mm. But yeah, when Brock really cares, Brock puts on good matches. And this is one of the times that he really cared. And also, I know it's such a you know wrestling fan thing to say, but I miss CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Like if CM Punk was in WWE right now, no question he put on so many good matches. Mm-hmm. Um, Punk versus Owens was we one that rolls right off the tongue. Mm-hmm. Punk versus Rollins, Punk versus Reigns, even Punk versus maybe Aleister Black, mm-hmm. AJ Styles, Nakamura, mm-hmm. Zayn. Yep. Like, he put on so many good matches of was And if it doesn't, I mean, honestly, if it doesn't happen within the next year or two, it's not going to happen, because he's getting up there. Yeah, I think I've given up hope that it's ever going to happen. Yeah, I mean, 
I mean, saying he's getting up there, I mean, I don't know, what is what is he? 40. Early 40s, right? Is he only 40? He's 40, yeah. I mean, he may have more of a chance than that, I don't know, but still, oh. yeah. He's got to do it sooner than later if he's ever going to do it. Funnily enough, the Shawn Michaels-Undertaker match would have been higher if they hadn't done that stupid Crown Jewel match a couple of years ago. <laughs> that was my favorite match until that Crown Jewel thing happened. And it just, it put a damper on it for me. Mm. Like, you ruined this amazing <laughs> retirement for this. Yeah. Get, yeah. no. Get all the way down. I almost consider it, it, I almost considered taking it off my list because of that. Right. But, no, it's still a good match. Yeah, yeah. But Punk Lesnar is, you know, Brock's putting in 110%. Punk's putting in 110%. Paul Heyman's putting in 120%. Um, and just everyone is doing their job well mm -hmm. in this match. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my number one. Cool. What is your number one? My number one. And the uh, the Dusty Flair and this match were the two ones that came right off the top of my head. Like, I know these two are my... These two matches are my favorite matches of all time. This is my number one. I knew it right away. I thought about it a little bit just to make sure that I wasn't just being nostalgic or I wasn't being just anything about it, that something else wasn't, you know, didn't take its place in my mind, but definitely not. My favorite match from my childhood, also, and not that this means anything, but if you look at a lot of top 20 matches of all time, it's usually in the top five, sometimes number one, two, or three, depending on what you're reading. Um, WrestleMania three. Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. Ah. Friggin' amazing match. Like... This I've seen. Yeah. I mean, for its time, one of the best, one of the most high-flying matches they had ever put on at that point. I mean, now it's commonplace. But at the time, these guys were coming off the rope left and right, hitting these moves that you were just like, holy shit about, you know? Um, both of them were at the peak of their game. Like... Savage had been um, WrestleMania three, so that was nineteen eighty five. No, six. One, one was eighty three, right? Um, or eighty four, eighty four, eighty five. I don't know. It was either eighty five or eighty six. I don't All know. Right, Randy Savage held the IC title for like two years. Though. Yeah. So it was eighty five or eighty six. They were both at the peak of their career. Steamboat had a little bit more um, shine on him as far as he had been around a little longer. Um, he was in uh, NWA, had already had some classic matches with like Flair, um, Piper, uh, Valentine. Um, you know, was already considered in the upper echelon of like guys that could really put on a good show. Savage was making that name for himself, but wasn't already considered that yet. This put him there. This said, this guy has arrived. You know, this match put Savage... Like, after this match, Vince or whoever had to say, okay, what do we do with this guy next? Because he is a star. You know what I mean? This put him over the top. Like, yeah. they knew he was on his way. They knew he had something. They knew he was going to be something. Yeah. But this match made it like, oh, God, he has, like, top shelf potential. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I mean, amazing high-flying moves in this match. These guys just gelled perfectly. I don't know why they didn't wrestle again. Uh, like, I know you don't want to beat a dead horse, but they should have feuded a lot longer than they did. Mm. I think Steamboat might have left shortly after that. I don't know. I'd have left, to go back uh, and look at history. He left shortly after he lost the IC title. Um, yeah. I think to Honky Tonk Man. I don't remember. Yeah. He came back, but I think at the point he came back a few years later, I think Sa- I think Savage was gone at that point. I don't know, but either way, um, amazing match. Like these guys just put on a show, and you like. I remember. And, all right, so if it was, let's say it was '85, I was 12 years old watching this match, and I watched it live. I saw it happen live. Um, I wasn't at the show, but I was watching it on what they were called. It was called closed caption back then, which was essentially pay per view. Um, and not closed caption, closed circuit, sorry, um, which was essentially what pay-per-view was back then. And it was amazing. It was like I sat there as a 12, 13-year-old kid, whatever I was, with like just my jaw hung open, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, this is the best. And at that point, I'd probably been watching wrestling for like four years-ish, you know, on a regular basis. Like, I was really getting into it. And that's what cemented it for me. That's what was like, this is freaking awesome. You know, so that that match will never leave my mind. You know, it's another one of those matches where I can like picture it. I can picture Steamboat on the top rope. I can picture Savage on the top rope of that match. Coming down, nailing their finishers. You know, both of them taking like amazing bumps. And just like, it, 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 it will never leave my mind. It's just one of those matches that will never leave my mind. Yeah. You know, all of these, like, you know, there are matches that will never leave my mind because of the pomp and circumstance around them, but I will never put them in a top five. Like, of course, Hogan and Andre. You know, of course, that first WrestleMania, you know, with Hogan and Mr. T and all that stuff, but that's just like, that's because of the hype around them. That's not because of, you know, and, I, and I'm not putting hype down. Like, a lot of the matches I've, I've said are on my top five were also very hyped. But it was, you know, it was the combination of everything. See, once those guys got in the ring, like, the Hogan and T versus Piper and Orndorff, once they got in the ring, it was like, okay. You know? <laughs> Same thing with Andre and Hogan. Like, Andre was almost done. Andre could barely move. They were just trying to get him a big payday, and the spectacle of seeing him and Hogan in the ring was amazing. All they wanted to do was was push him into a ring and let Hogan slam him, and that was it. That's all they wanted to accomplish. Mm. It was fucking sad. <laughs> yeah. It really was, you know? But anyway. A lot of people ask the question online, if you were to take a wrestler from a different era and put him now... Mm-hmm. Who would that be? I'd take Randy Savage and put him out. Savage, definitely. I mean, I'd probably have a list. But, I mean, a, a main, a, a big name you could pull right off the top of your head? Sure. Savage would, I think Savage would be great for this era. Either in yeah. WWE or AEW. He'd... Yeah. Yeah, I think Savage would fit in nicely. He's got, he's got the size. He's got the aerial ability. He's got the personality. Definitely. Yeah, I think Savage would fit. I think Savage fit in anywhere he went. You know, he was ahead of his time. He really was. He was a psycho case, like, in real life, which was a problem. But, 
But as far as his in-ring work and his, yeah, I mean, I think he could have fit in in any decade from the 80s on. I think he would have worked anywhere. And he did. I mean, he fell he fell in hard times by the time he hit, pretty much by the time he hit WCW on, he was really, he, he was in bad shape and he wasn't doing very good work anymore. And it was sad. But that's because he had just abused himself so much. But all of his WCW, I mean, WWE work, and everything he even did before then in, like, Florida wrestling and every every other place he had been before then, he had, you know, if you watch, you can watch some old stuff with him. I think he worked for Jerry Lawler in Memphis for a while. I think he worked in Smoky Mountain Wrestling for a while for Jim Cornette. So I think he did a lot of independent stuff before he came to WCW. God, I keep saying that, WWF. And, yeah, all of his work, anywhere he ever went, people were like, this guy's amazing. Like, he's not going to be here long. He's going to be in one of the big three soon, which back then was considered uh, WCW, AWA, and WWF. He's going to be in one of those soon because he's he's got what it takes. And as soon as he hit the big time, as soon as he hit WWF, he was. He was just like, his first match was in Madison Square Garden. That's how much they thought he could do, you know. So, yeah. um, so that's it. Yeah, that's all of our favorite matches. Do we know what we want to do next time? Well, wait. Next, what's next week? Is there a pay per view next week? No. Hell in a Cell is the next pay per view, and I believe it's in two weeks. Two weeks. What do we want to do next week? Um. Hmm. Um. We haven't done. What haven't we done? We haven't done. We've done best wrestlers, best yeah. matches. All right. We could do tag teams. We could do... This might be kind of a weird topic. Okay. Least favorite wrestlers. Least favorite wrestlers. Okay, there's got to be a caveat on there, though. Uh-huh. Like, or maybe it should be most overrated wrestlers. Most overrated, yeah. There. Okay, guys that are popular amongst fans... Yes. Or, you know, have been celebrated or have been have held a lot of titles or have held, you know, have been prominent in wrestling that you think are just not that good. Yeah. Okay. I could do that. All right. So look out for that next week. Mm-hmm. Top 10 most overrated wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see you then. See you then. Thank you.